All right. So it's Shane's life is a fantasy draft. You're probably wondering, where's Shane? So are we. But instead of that, we're going to talk about the Rockets getting housed. We're going to talk about how sad the conference finals have been. We're going to talk about a Vegas and Tampa are just too hot for hockey. And a real petty story involving a grown man named Boogie. All that and more on Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft. Hit that music. Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft is filmed before a live studio audience. All right, we are back and we are better than ever. My name's John Gorman. I'm, <laughs> I tried to say that with a straight face. We're back in decidedly average. Um, speaking of decidedly average, my main man, Daniel Gewurz, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Are we allowed to say back and better than ever? Isn't that Mike Greenberg's thing? Is that a thing that he does? I know he used to say that, you know, every, you know, every intro for Mike and Mike, but he's no longer on that show. So I don't know if he still does that on his new show if he has that trademarked or what, I would just keep keep an eye out. Look over your shoulder. Make sure Mike Greenberg's not sneaking up on you. I got to say, the next time I see Mike Greenberg on TV will be the first time I've seen Mike Greenberg on TV. Speaking of people who haven't been on TV in a while, Greg Dennis, how you doing today? Who's Mike Greenberg? He's a, he's a guy. Uh. He was one of the Mikes on Mike and Mike. And then they, he would, oh, God, do you remember when Mike Mike and Mike Ditka would do the second Monday night game? Yes, that was awful. That, that, should, that was an experiment best left on the cutting room floor, for sure. There was, that was a time when uh, a lot, they, they, they tried, right? And I'm, I'm, always, I'm always a fan of, of trying new things. And, and ESPN tried a few times to put different people in doing, you know, play-by-play in color for a game. And I'm always right. a fan of, of trying. That's always good. That, right. one, that one was a failure, but at least they tried. They did, but then they kept doing it. I feel like They're this like, is oh. a Joe Theismann setup. This is not I, a Joe Theismann. Joe no, Theismann, stay out of not. here. Because <laughs> he's what not this coming. Really is, <laughs> what this really is, is, is me to tell you, Trent Dilfer didn't need to be yelling on those Monday night broadcasts. Oh, man. It would be like Chris Berman would be like the play-by-play guy of this. It was always like Chargers Cardinals or some weird team like that. And like Berman would just be out there being like, hey, rumbling, bumbling. And Trent Dilfer would be yelling at the top of his lungs, like just so angry, like someone had kicked his dog like repeatedly. It's real sad. That's why he got fired from ESPN. Why? For someone kicked his dog? Or for, for yelling? I think he was kicking someone else's dog. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, he's terrible. He's terrible. Jeez. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Well, speaking of getting kicked, uh, the Rockets lost by a few points last night. Uh, 39 of them, in fact, the worst uh, Rockets playoff loss in 60 years. I thought it was 41. Uh, Not that that makes it a difference, I guess. Either way, it's a (laughs) lot. I wasn't alive for it. Once you lose by one, you've lost. So, well, that's true. That's the thing. I I heard uh, during the game, 
Jeff Van Gundy made an interesting point. He, you know, the Rockets were down, I don't know, like 26, 27. And he said, you know, at this point, they need to just lose by 40. And I thought that was an interesting point. And it was so that Mike D'Antoni could get them back in, you know, the locker room for the next game and really pump them up. Because if you lose by like 12 or 15, that's a bad loss, but it's not that bad. But if you lose by 40, it, you know, it counts the same, but it feels a lot worse. So like, and and like, let's be clear, they, they mailed in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Like Golden State outscored Houston 38 to 18. So I guess, although theoretically they were only down 21. Only. (laughs) Going into the fourth. Like, was that just Mike D'Antoni, like. Being like, I don't think we can do this. Let's just not even bother. Well, I mean, is there a team harder to make up a 20-point deficit against than the Golden State Warriors? Because that, that back-breaking three can come from literally any person on the court at any time. Right. From any distance. Like, it can come from 35 feet out. I often wonder, like, making up huge deficits against teams, like, are you better serve trying to do it against a team that runs up and down the court or like a team that slows to a plot. Well, it like depends, what would be a, it depends what kind of shot they're getting, right? Like I don't care right. if you are running seven seconds or less, or if you're taking 22 seconds off the shot clock, if you are only getting a two point shot at the end of that and I can get a three, like for the rock, you know, for almost every NBA team, it's, going to be impossible to make up that 20 point deficit in a quarter quarter and a half but for the rockets and the warriors who are so good and so proficient at shooting threes you can make up a 20 point deficit in seven shots right so yeah yeah it's interesting to me that like so curry had 35 right but he also like like it it felt as though that like Golden State beat Houston at their own game, right? It really felt like the Golden State, I don't know if this was Steve Kerr or Steph Curry or whoever like made this call, but it, it really did feel watching the game last night that the, that the Warriors were out rocketing the Rockets, which I haven't really seen a team do yet this year. That just means that the Rockets are going to have to out-warrior the Warriors in game. I don't even know, like... I don't even know what that looks like or seems like. How do you out-warrior the Warriors? I mean, just excessive ball movement. Yeah, yeah. Really? Which is really what the, the Spurs had been doing for, like, the last five years before Kawhi Leonard got rolled up on by Zaza Pachulia. Twice. Twice. Two times. Two times. Two rolls. Do we... Two rolls. Man. Two pains. <laughs> Two pains. Are these warriors going to be able to are these warriors going to get to stay this good for much longer? Like is is Kevin Durant staying with this team? Is he is he done moving around and if so, like what if if the Rockets, I guess what I want to know is if the Rockets are not able to beat the Warriors, like what are we going to see in the Western Conference going forward? Oh, I if we want to if we want to project this out Let's say, hypothetically, LeBron leaves Cleveland and goes to the Western Conference. Why would he ever do that? But okay, keep going. Okay, 
So, like, let's Lakers or Clippers, or he just wants to go to LA or what? This is obviously this is speculative. So let's say he does that. That will cause a domino effect of superstars leaving the West en masse. I could see it. Who do you think will leave? Who do you think will leave the West? I I mean, I could see Durant going to DC. He's from there. Yeah, but I could. It was literally. It was never a consideration. Right? right, like when Durant left Oklahoma City the first time, it was never even a consideration that he would go to D.C. He didn't even interview with them, right? He went to to Miami, and not even that many other places. He went to Miami. They went to the Hamptons. State. <laughs> yeah, he did. Went to the Hamptons to get drafted or to get traded to a West Coast team. That's what you do there. Yeah, I just feel like, uh, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe. LeBron being his age now, which is what, like 34? 34. 33. 33. Like, 34. I thought maybe, it was 34. No, he was. Where's born our statistician on that one? I got like, you. Have we reached the point where. Have we reached the point where LeBron James becomes just a hired gun type mercenary figure where, like, he just goes, he latches on to be the second or third best player on stacked rosters already just to, like, accumulate rings or like push other players particularly p- players that he is already close friends with over the top to get them their hardware I, maybe uh brian windhorst made a good point last week and i'm sure he's made it again and again since that uh lebron james's two children are 11 and 13 years old and while yeah he's not going to give them a hundred percent of the choice on where he finishes out his career that's the age at which children are really starting to actually form, right? Like, the last time he changed right. teams, his kids weren't old enough, you know, and, and in 2010, his kids were certainly not old enough to care. But right. now, at, at 11 and 13, like, they're making connections with their schools and their teachers and the people around them. And, you know, right. as, a, as a father, like, he has to care about that. Now, is that going to be 100% of the decision? Of course not. But it's certainly a factor. And if he's going to have his kids in school in Cleveland, is he going to want to live in Los Angeles? You know what I mean? For for half the year. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So if his kids are going to stay in school in Cleveland, he's probably, if not uh, staying in Cleveland, he's going to stay somewhere nearby. I have heard that he would like to play professionally on the same team as his oldest son. That would be pretty cool. That would be unbelievable. And that would be the I mean, first time in NBA really, history. That's only six years, you know, six or seven years away from being a possibility. Yeah. So, <laughs> and like, I'd like to, I'd like to say that LeBron James is slowing down, but he's kind of not. He really isn't. He's just, he's a robot. I don't think he, he's not human. Like he's, he, he, this year his usage rate is as high as it's ever been. And his productivity and efficiency are both like at record setting levels. And he played eighty by his and he played eighty two games for the first time in his career. Yeah. It was just like it was like I wonder I wonder how good I could actually do basketball. <laughs> I'd like to see I mean LeBron James isn't wired this way, but I'd like to mm. see if he was wired more like Russell Westbrook, who's like yeah. I am going to dominate mm. everything all the time, no matter what, always. 
I think he is right. that way. I think he's a more subtle version of it. I think where West, Westbrook really wears that on his sleeve, I think LeBron is that deep down. I think sure. he, wa- he wants all the re- he obviously wants all the records. I, I'm not even going to say I'm not even going to speculate on that when he wants them. He's proven he wants them. Yeah. He congratulates yeah. himself on hitting 30,000 points faster than anybody else, which is fine. And, and, and he, he should. should. Yeah. And he did. And he, he did. He did it. And, and you know what? Everyone else is going to. He might as well. I, I always say it all the time. You got to be your biggest fan. Um, if I hit that's what makes you be better. career points in the NBA, <laughs> I would have posted something to Instagram. Hell, maybe just one made three. Oh, man. If this podcast hits like 100 followers on Instagram, I will Are we still post not there? a very King James-like post. We had our best Instagram week. That was a strong uh, Instagram since week. Since we started. Strong we Instagram. to 84. I think, uh, I think the, uh, the videos are helping. Yeah. Sure. Videos are tight. Go check those out. Follow Shane's 82 bot. followers. 82. Oh, we lost two. Oh, sons of... They're probably bots. Anyway. I'll take them. Uh, real quick... I'll take Real em. quick... Uh, <laughs> real quick wrap-up on these, uh, these conference finals here. Are the Rockets or the Cavs in more trouble? So, both series right now are 2-1, are to one, but the right. Celtics-Cavs 2-1 to one feels a lot different than the Rockets-Warriors 2-1, to one, and that's because... In his career, when LeBron James is down 2-0 in the Eastern Conference playoffs, he is a combined 6-0 in games 3 and 4. So three times he's been down 2-0, and three times he has tied up the series at 2-2. So, you know, he was down 2-0, he won the next game, he was almost very, very, very likely to win the next. But, you know, the, the Rockets-Warriors series... That felt like one of those 1-1 games where the team that wins game three is much more likely to win the series. And and that's a complete 180 from where I was at the start of the series when I thought the Rockets really had a chance. But it doesn't, it just doesn't feel that way anymore. If the Rockets lost last night by, like, one instead of 41, <laughs> are we having this conversation? I think so, because... I, I mean, I, I, I guess obviously the game would have looked a lot more different if it was closer, but the way that the, the Warriors just so effortless, effortlessly blew past them, it makes them look like they're not on the same level. Right. I agree. I think, I think what's been hard to grasp, I guess, about this conference final is this really does feel like a reboot of that Phoenix San Antonio conference final from forever mm-hmm. ago where Phoenix was running the Dan Tony seven seconds or less offense and San Antonio was Greg Popovich Steve Kerr's mentor uh, as far as coaching and playing is concerned and like Popovich just beat Phoenix at their own game. Wow. Like at whatever speed they deemed they wanted to play. I don't know. I mean, wasn't like, wasn't Phoenix going to win that series until the 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 hip check happened? Yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah, I there feel was like that. Phoenix was going to win that series and then they had to play games 6 and 7 like without Nash and Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, all because Robert Ory hip-checked Steve Nash into the scorer's table. <laughs> Robert Ory, that was, you know what? They call him Big Shot Bob. That was his best <laughs> shot. It really was. Um, I still think, I mean, I said the Warriors were going to win before. I still think they're going to win. I still think the Cavs are going to win. I'd say that with gritted mm-hmm. teeth. But, um, yeah, I think we're, I think we're ready for the, the fourth installment of Cavs Warriors. You kind of have to, you kind of have to hope the Cavs win just because everything that the Celtics are, the Warriors just are that, but better, right? The, the Warriors yes. are basically doing what the Celtics do with significantly better players. At least if yes. Cleveland wins, if was... you know, they might have the best player on the floor. If the Celtics were had any all stars at all, I would give them more than a puncher's chance of stretching that series all the way to. But five. the Celtics, I mean, in in a year or two, even forgetting about Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, like, you know, they have a lot of top five picks on this team. Yes, they, they will should be good. be good, and and it, you know, I, I've been thinking about it a lot since last week. They. They should be good, and we should expect them to be good, even even now, because I, you yeah. know, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, these are these are top five picks. Yeah, that's real talent on that yeah. roster. They're just not household names yeah. yet. All speaking right. Speaking of not household names. Yeah, <laughs> let's. Speaking of not household names, did anyone see the Vegas Tampa? <laughs> NHL Stanley Cup Finals coming when we started this season, or frankly, when we started this podcast, or frankly, last month. Who saw this coming? I mean, I think last month, yes. I I picked Tampa to get to the Stanley Cup Finals since I saw them in it. So that's not, I'm not surprised one bit at Tampa Bay. I think Vegas is... I think... Vegas was 500 to one odds to win the Stanley cup. So if you got in on that last season, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid. But I, I I think Tampa Bay saw Tampa Bay coming. Vegas, Vegas could have gone either way. I think it's a team that like we, we sit here and we, yes, it is a stacked team. But again, I think it goes back to that concept of having a GM and a coach who can find guys who mesh and can play well together and get you to the next level, which they have already. So I think it, it's a surprise that they've made it to the cup for sure. That one is definitely striking. Whereas the Tampa Bay is like, I I expected to see Tampa, that. If I'm not mistaken, it has not only won a cup, but I believe was playing for the cup fairly recently. Like this is that same stacked team that they've had for a while now. Yeah. 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 I just think it's like, I think it's interesting because obviously like you look at it on paper, you're like Las Vegas versus Tampa Bay in a Stanley cup final. Like what alternate universe are we living in? But at the same time, like, I like when non-traditional markets or non-traditional powerhouse teams advance to the finals. It makes it interesting. It makes it weird. It makes it fun and different and refreshing. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that or if you're more into, like, traditional markets, like, doing their thing. I think you need bigger markets being successful. But that said, I think 
the story of Las Vegas is big enough to carry the day here. Like, I think you're going to get a lot of extra eyeballs on uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, not just because they are a fun team, not just because they are an expansion team in the championship in their first year, but also because of the tragedy that befell Las Vegas in the week before the season started. You know, you had these guys, they were literally forged in fire as as a team, and they were they that's how they that was that was their first memory together as a as a team. And you know, uh, for for that city to start playing hockey in that way is such a wonderful story that it's it's very exciting to see them in the cup finals. Yeah, it would make, it makes for a particularly heart-rendering bookend to a season that started under the most auspicious of circumstances. So inauspicious. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, were in the they lost in the conference finals in 15-16. They uh, lost in the Cup final in 14-15, and they won the Stanley Cup in 2003-2004. Yeah, John Tortorella coached that team. John Tortorella s- still oh, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yes. still still great at it. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, will this be the lowest rated Stanley Cup final ever? I don't think so. I I think because it's Las Vegas and because it's an expansion team that I think you're you're going to get a lot of eyeballs on on this cup finals. I really hope you're right. I really feel like this is this this is a matchup that, that people need to see. The lowest rated uh, last I mean they don't have to do much to beat Pittsburgh and Nashville last year. Oh. My goodness. Actually, oh, my Lord. Is that even the lowest rated? No. Wasn't, wasn't the previous Tampa Bay? Didn't, didn't, yeah, they went, the, the lockout was after the 0304 season, was it not? That was, yeah. that was before the lockout, so, yeah. No, yeah, the 0304 season was the last season before the lockout. So I imagine that was probably the lowest rated. Cup <laughs> it, final. Recorded, oh, it, it recorded an average of 2.6. And it was on two point six people. Two point, yeah, yes. <laughs> their their ratings were a GPA. I'm sorry. Uh, it looks like if I understand Wikipedia, the O oh, the 2012 finals Kings Devils was a one point eight. Oh, that was oh yeah. That's I'm sorry. It. 07, 07 was a one point two. And well, oh my God, Anaheim, Anaheim and Ottawa. Ottawa. Wow. 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 That meant like, I don't even remember, uh, to be honest, (laughs) I don't remember that series. That's probably why. Oh, seven. Hold on. I feel like, weren't the Buffalo Sabres in the Eastern Conference Finals in 07? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And in 06. Those were the days. (laughs) <laughs> those were I remember those days well Just and For the record Ray, <laughs> In the In the 70s They used to I mean this is pre-cable They used to do like Ratings in the high teens Low 20s Who did hockey? Yeah Wow That's just 
People people used to care about hockey. People used to care about hockey. That's amazing. It's who knew. One of these games for this Anaheim Ottawa series, <laughs> four hundred and fifty thousand people watched it. There are more people who live in Anaheim, <laughs> or and Ottawa. It's <laughs> more people in Flint's Lawn, Manitoba. There's, <laughs> There's definitely more people in Jacksonville. <laughs> That's incredible. At least they that rebounded is, nicely and had <laughs> had a three million performance in Game Five. <laughs> it was a closeout oh game. God. Oh man! All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about some real petty mayonnaise. <laughs> Wrestling, sports, movies, and more. The Geeks Unlimited squad is always mic'd up and speaking on the world of nerd. Geeks Unlimited keeps your ears lit with the announcer's table, professional wrestling's hottest podcast that you haven't listened to. Hosted by B-Rye and our very own Canadian screw-up, Daniel Gavertz. Hey, that's me. The homie Steve is talking flicks with the aptly titled podcast, Talking Flicks. And of course, this impressive pod, Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft. Check them out on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Subscribe and share, listen, and learn. Don't forget to slide into those DMs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Geeks Unlimited, taking over the world, one podcast at a time. All right, we're back. We had to pay some bills, but we're back. I'm excited. Um, let's tee this up like this. Now, let's say you go through like, like a breakup, or you, or you kind of know that the writing's on the wall and you're about... I don't know if either of you two have been broken up with before. Um, like in my life? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. Just want to make sure we're on the same page here. A few two, times. Two, two times. times. Um, so let's say, <laughs> let's say you, you've been broken up with, maybe, you know, or you know you're so about to times. be broken up with, and she's kind of doing you a little dirty, or he kind of doing you a little dirty and you're like hmm, well I wonder what else is out there and so like you kind of peruse your Instagram and you're like hmm this person seems kind of interesting we did have some chemistry last time we hung out I wonder if I'll give her a follow now let's say that happens that's something we've all done but would you ever unfollow your current significant other, like publicly, so while I, you were I'm, I publicly, I so I'm an old man, right? Yes. Um, in in yes. today's age of technology, I am I am Clint Eastwood sitting on my porch yelling, "Get off my lawn!" Right? Wonderful. Because I remember AOL Instant Messenger, which I you know officially closed down earlier this year. Rest in peace. Um, I have, God, I can't believe I really did this. I have in the past, you know, when I was dating somebody, I removed that person from my friends list on instant messenger so that they could no longer, you know, see that I was online. And I did that before we broke up. Ah, okay. So I did do that. That's not a public thing. Like not everybody in the world could see that, but they could see that they knew. I mean, you know. We were in high school. They knew I was at my computer. Right. Um, so I bring this up to talk to you about DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about our, our dating histories. 
No, no. That is for <laughs> Shane's Life is a Fantasy Date. And that is a new After Dark podcast that will be rolling out very soon, where the three of us just get all up in our feelings about <laughs> women who, whether real or imagined, have caused us a great deal of harm. What a great elevator pitch right there, right off Thank the top you. of your head. This, the, it's a I podcast... Give that, I give that I give that an Anaheim Ottawa game four. It's a, it's a, what's the podcast about? Internalized trauma from repeated mis, misencounters with the opposite sex. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Follow, subscribe. Demarcus Cousins just unfollowed the Pelicans on Instagram, but he also followed Paul George, Julius Randall, and Isaiah Thomas. What's what should we what should we interpret from this? Well, apparently, uh, Demarcus Cousins just wants us to interpret from that that he's a grown man. True, he did say that. He that was his that was his rationale. I think that's fine rationale. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know Demarcus Cousins. I don't know who he's friends with, who he's not friends with. Maybe maybe Paul George and Julius Randle and Isaiah Thomas are his friends. Maybe if they were his friends, I imagine he would have already been following them. Yeah, I find it hard <laughs> to. I mean. You've listened to Drake. There's no new friends. <laughs> like, it's not like they just suddenly met, like, courtside at some other <laughs> basketball game. And they were like, oh, oh, you know what? Julius Randle seems kind of dope. I think I'm going to follow him on IG. Yeah, I mean, although that's that's one of those things, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of NBA players. Maybe these guys never, maybe the, he didn't know them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, He's never played on a team with those guys. I don't think he's been on, like, an all-star team with those guys. So... Maybe they did just meet at, like, a Nike party or something. Yeah, it's the off-season. They're all just chilling, like, doing yeah. their thing. Like, yeah. That's but possible. obviously what what we are as sports take enthusiasts, what we are reading into this is DeMarcus Cousins is trying to make the worst super team of all time. It's, it's up there. I mean, it's it's up there with with what Derrick Rose called the super team in New York City of of him, Carmelo Anthony, and Joakim Noah or whatever. That was, you know how there's big threes. That was that was an average size three. That was that was a that was a medium one and a half. Exactly. That was a game three on the Anaheim Ottawa scale. Game three. Um. But yeah, I don't know. So is Boogie trying to boogie? Is that what we're getting out of this? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's his contract is up. He's coming off in an Achilles tendon tear. Uh, you know, so he's not going to get a lot of money this year. He's probably going to do one of those short-term contracts, and he plays. He balls out for a year and earns himself a better contract. Do we and think he balls out? I think like, do so. Do people really come back from Achilles things? Some of them do, but I mean, mostly that's Kobe Bryant, right? Right. Kobe Bryant came back from an Achilles tear because Kobe Bryant's an insane person. Right. Uh, As I recall, though, I don't believe he came back better. No, not better, but, I mean, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is very good. You know, 85% of DeMarcus Cousins still probably one of the best big men in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Better off without Anthony Davis. Is he? I don't understand how that didn't work because they're both turning into, at the time anyway, they were both turning into good outside shooters. So I don't understand. 
I don't understand how that wasn't working out better, but that's... I, I watched them play live together, and I think they had too many duplicative skill sets. Okay. And so it was very hard for the two of them to coexist, although both were really, really good. It was really hard for them both to be really, really good in each other's presence. Okay. I can see how that would happen. Um, yeah, I, you know, Cousins is probably better off leaving New Orleans at this point. Uh, you never, you never, I don't think you ever want to go back to the situation where you got injured and the team got better. Right. right. Like, if you can get out of that situation, I think you want to, generally speaking, right? So, for his sanity, uh, you know, it would make sense for him to get out of there and, you know, sign, maybe, maybe sign in Los Angeles where apparently Paul George is going. And, you know, uh, that team, that team's going to look mighty attractive next year. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, the Lakers are my, uh, dark horse, like it, like it de- Western conference two seed. It depends what they have to do to get where they want to be. Right. Like if they think they can make a run at LeBron James and they wind up, you know, getting rid of Brandon Ingram and, and Julius Randall and, and other pieces, the team doesn't look as good. I, right. Obviously, if they if they wind up actually getting LeBron James in that scenario, then they look very good. But I don't know. I, the things that you have to do to clear enough cap space to get LeBron, it, it just it leaves it should leave a bad taste in your mouth. I feel dirty doing it. Yeah. Also, I feel like I haven't heard from Greg in an hour. Greg, are you okay? You need like a dental dam for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was half expecting Joe Theismann to be the one to say, you need a dental dam for that. I don't I don't want I don't want that image. <laughs> no, you don't. And just like that, we're gonna take a short break. <laughs> Afterwards. We need one. Craig's gonna talk a lot. Intelligence is greater than greater than man. Intelligence is Greater than man. Intelligence is intelligence is intelligence is intelligence is intelligence is greater than man. Greater than man. Greater than man. All right, we're back. Um, after we did we did spend some time earlier in the episode talking about uh, internalized psychological trauma. Now that was funny, but what we're going to talk about. Significantly less funny. Greg has been up all night at the research department in the lab cooking up some, some things about CTE that you really want to hear and some things about the trauma that athletes face both before, during, and after their playing careers. That leads to some of the more, shall we say, heartbreaking stories to come out of the league. So, Greg, what you got for us? So, I have... I've been doing a lot of, of thinking about it, and it was something that came to mind, uh, unfortunately, uh, when Dave Mira uh, passed a few years ago. Dave Mira was uh, probably the best BMX rider to ever to ever do, uh, like street BMX, big air, half pipe, things like that. Yeah. Uh, Dave Mira shot himself in the chest to preserve his brain to be uh, researched for exactly CTE. And they found just 
one of the worst reported cases ever in Dave Mira's brain. And it got me thinking, obviously football has, you know, the bullseye on it because it's a huge brand and it's a lot of people get enjoyment from watching this happen. So, so all ultimately you're going to shift your attention to what you can see the most of, which is the NFL. But you see other pockets. You see boxing. You see extreme sports. Uh, I'm sure hockey is going to come out and start talking about this at some point. Um, But one of the things that I find fascinating is that you see a lot of the behaviors that these NFLers have later in their careers, or I shouldn't say later in their careers, post their career, that really mimic a lot of things you see in traumatic stories from Hollywood. Uh, And to put that in perspective, I'm talking about things like Corey Ham comes to mind um, and some other notable Hollywood stars. Chris Farley kind of sticks out there a little bit. You know, people that died a little too early, um, but made a lot of mistakes in their death, so to speak. And uh, I highly doubt CTE is the cause of these. And what is one of the big causes of them is some traumatic life experiences and this rapid rise to stardom and kind of this sense of belonging. And then when that falls off and you don't have that anymore, you just get thrown into this depression. And what do you, where do you go from there? When you're depressed, you make a lot of bad choices and you start thinking about all of the things that are dark in your life. And those are the things that are going to come out to play at night. And a lot of NFL players come from, I don't want to necessarily put everyone in one basket and say everybody comes from like a a, a tough upbringing because it's not necessarily true. But I think people come from humble upbringing uh, in the NFL. And I think as they enter high school, they become a little bit more kind of notable. And then college, you see some superstar. And then the NFL, you are just catapulted into fame and stardom. And I think this has a huge effect on the human brain, especially between the ages of 18 and 25, which people forget your brain is still developing at that point. It's not done. When you turn 18, it doesn't just hit the switch like, oh, well, my brain's done. I'm going to be who I am forever. 18 and 25, your brain does a lot of developing. And you're taking someone who has never had a lot of money, who has never had that many opportunities at their fingertips and you're just giving it to them at one time. And I think that plays a huge role on the human psyche. And I'm not necessarily saying that's why when NFL players eventually retire and they don't have the brotherhood of the team anymore and they don't have the fandom from the super, from, from the fans that they, you know, start committing, uh, crimes and doing things that are a little bit unsavory. But I definitely think that coupled with CTE is kind of leading NFL players down a really dark path. And what I would like to see 
is maybe some counseling when these gentlemen enter the league. And I know they do undergo some of it, but it's not a lot. From what we learn in rookie camp, they have like a seminar or two. They have like a seminar on how to handle you money. They have a seminar on how to handle fans. They have a seminar on how to handle um, distractions. That's not enough. And I, I think with proper counseling through their careers, um, I think that they can combat some of this, uh, some of this negative behaviors that we see later on in their life. What say you, gentlemen? Well, I think it's so. There's still largely like a stigma, particular, you know, particularly in combat sports, which the NFL qualifies um, for sure. And particularly, like, with men in this country where seeking therapy or going to counseling has been very, is very much seen as, as unmasculine or a sign that, like, you know, a, a sign of weakness. And those are, like, two major dissuaders as far as, like, people going to seek counseling. Now, I'm not saying that's by any stretch, like, the reason counseling doesn't exist widespread when combating things like how to process your emotions via trauma and how to adjust your brain after a concussion and so on and so forth. But like, I do wonder, I do wonder if the opportunities are available, but the players just aren't like comfortable for whatever reason going to seek them out. I'm I'm sure that's a huge, I'm sure that's huge. NFL players are given a phone number to call if they ever get too drunk to drive home, in which situation the NFL sends a driver to pick you up and bring you home. And also Uber However, exists, how, right? Yeah, and Uber exists and Lyft and just taxis, and don't forget about your feet. <laughs> um, but they choose not to do it because there is that bravado, I'm sure, because I know I grew up with people who would drive home with a few beers in their system. Like I can do it. I can handle it. I got this. And it isn't right. But I think the, the brain is, 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 is a machine for all intents and purposes. And I think it's, if you have like, let's say you're, you got a phone, right? You got a smartphone. You, you drop your smartphone a few times. It's, it doesn't act right. Right, you have to recalibrate it. You got to bring it back, and sometimes that always, doesn't always happen. Couple that with the fact that you're kind of running with some shaky software at the same time, and that's disastrous. That's how your phone. That's how things crash, and that's how that's where these problems come. I think there's the biological influence of the CTE, but coupled with the environmental influences and impact of of fame in general, sure. um, I. Th- I don't know. There's just, I have this feeling that it's not all just bumping your head, uh, you know? And and you're, you're exactly right. And I think at least in the NBA, which obviously I think you have a different kind of person in the NBA than you do in the NFL, but at least, you know, I, I hope it can signify change across sports. You have guys like DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love publicly. Now you, you see the ads during playoff games publicly talking about their fights with depression. He had Kevin Love, uh, he wrote a piece uh, on the Players' Tribune about how he had a panic attack during a basketball game. Like, these are these are big names and, and important people who are going public with their mental health struggles. And I hope, 
I hope for, for everybody's sake that it shows the, the rest of the players in the league that, yeah, it's, it's okay to admit that you have these problems and to go and get help for them. Yeah, and yeah. I and and also in in with that like the the Kevin Love situation in particular is he is kind of expressing the pressures that are on a professional athlete to perform at the highest level. And there's just so much that there these are young people. Mm-hmm. When you enter when you enter your 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 rookie season. Let, let's just let's. I I, I want. I don't want to. Rookie season isn't the best uh, uh, identifier here, but that high school period, because you're you're pretty popular in high school if you're the star athlete. That, that's a big deal. And there's a lot of pressure that you're going to face, and there's a lot of temptation you're going to face, and then just that just snowballs out of control into college, and then into your adult life, and. I don't know. Maybe counseling isn't the answer. Don't get me wrong. But I think we really need to start looking at how athletes are treated. I, I, I don't think they're treated um, like humans when they're going through their struggles and when they're coming up in this world. I think they're really held to the highest of uh, standards. And we forget that they're it's people. True. We, we often forget that they are human beings just in terms of uh, especially with, with their age, but also in terms of, you know, when we talk about trading guys and, and guys signing with new teams and things like that, like you forget that, you know, someone gets traded, that person might be married, might own a home, might have some kids. Like he has to uproot his entire life. And, you know, they tra- a team trades for someone mid-season and everyone says, well, why isn't he playing as well on his new team as he was on his old team? I don't know, maybe because he's living out of a suitcase in a hotel room. Like, you know, maybe he hasn't had a full night's sleep in three weeks, you know? Maybe his wife and kids are a thousand miles away. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he hasn't seen his wife in a month. Like, these are, these are big deals. How come you haven't put up a triple-double when you're living in a yeah. Holiday Inn? Like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I get it. Like, we do tend to, we do tend to forget that these aren't just nine-figure contracts. These aren't playing cards. These aren't fantasy you know, points. These are real humans. And social media largely has helped humanize them to a degree. Like, you do get to see more of them than you otherwise used to. I think we can all agree Hassan Whiteside um, is a super interesting dude, but Hassan Whiteside 10 years ago is probably just a pretty good Mm. shot blocker. Like, social media helps us bring that out. And and frankly... Outlets like the Players Tribune absolutely are doing like just just the fact that you can have an athlete, you know, with the help of a with the help of a ghostwriter usually, but you you have an athlete being able to tell their story unfiltered and reveal a side of them that they otherwise couldn't have done. I mean, I think it's it's a wonderful thing that's happening, and I hope that's just part of a larger piece of change where. Um, athletes are valued as whole humans rather than just as point producers. Yeah, and and I and I do want to juxtapose it with the whole Hollywood situation because we see a lot of these struggles from Hollywood and even musicians. And we saw Britney Spears had a little mm-hmm. bit of a meltdown 
to say the least. Yeah. Drew Barrymore yeah. went through a real rough time, and it's it's not. It look at every child actor you've ever heard of. When they hit their mid twenties, they fall apart, and I, you know, I'm seeing the same things happen in in professional sports as I'm seeing happen in Hollywood, and I can't help but to think that there is that environmental aspect that we're kind of uh, that we're kind of forgetting about. It's really easy to point to a brain scan and be like, "Wow, look at all of the trauma in this brain," but you don't see like all of the life trauma that also went into that brain. Absolutely correct. You're listening to Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft. Powered by Geeks on Uh, Daniel, where can they find you on social media and such? I can be found at on, on Twitter at Don't Take My Name. Uh, if you follow me, I will tweet right at you. Anything you want. I will at you. Some I will at you. Some people say, don't at me. I say, at me. Yeah, at me and I will at you. Follow Uh, Fridays. Follow Friday. Follow for follow. Hashtag blessed. Um, You can find me, John, at HeyGorman on Instagram. You can find me at JohnGorman.co, where I write about things. Not really about sports. What are we writing about? What are Uh, we writing about this week? Uh, this week, what we have is a, a dissertation on why you do not deserve love, as well as a breakdown of the elements of writing voice as it pertains to how to write better things. Do you it's not ex- deserve love because you don't write better things? No, no. Those are two separate, two separate pieces. Okay. Th- th- those were not meant to be a connected thought. Um, if, you do, if you do write better things, of course you're worthy of love. Because everybody loves a good storyteller. Uh, also, find us all at Shane's Pod. Shane's Pod. Instagram. Get after it. It's important. It's crucial. Vital content on the regs. And oh, Greg. Yeah, we're, we're posting commercials now. Yeah, we're posting commercials. We got commercials on top of commercials now. They're pretty good. Greg, where can they find you? Uh, they can w- find me waiting for an Amazon package like a fool, because even though it says guaranteed delivery by May 24th, a part of me thinks it might show up on the 22nd, and then I have still have a sliver of hope on the 23rd, and then by the 24th, there it is. Why don't Why don't you 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 Why don't you just do the Amazon Locker and go get it? I'm not going. That's why I have the Prime. <laughs> why do I have the Prime? I need the Prime. I feel. Man, I don't think you're doing Amazon right. You live no. you live in in the big city. Don't don't you have same day delivery on certain Amazon? products, but they definitely take advantage of you on the same day. Is that not is You that really not need a dental dam <laughs> when you're using the same day delivery. Which which you can actually order on Amazon. You can, same day. It's true. The yeah. irony is very thick. <laughs> As is the dental man. <laughs> well, Greg, I, I, I hope I, I speak for all of us when I say I really do hope you get your dental dam. Thank you. Very On soon. the 22nd. On the 22nd. And today you will get, uh, today is the 20th? 21st. 21st. Which means on, on the 22nd, 
Not only will Greg get his dental dam, but you'll get a brand new episode, and it's this one. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a really great rest of your week. We'll be back, and we'll try to do it better the next time. Shout out Jacksonville. Speechless on a summer night The candle wakes the mood just right oh, You are everything I see Sweet kiss against the wall I will rise and you will fall oh, Everywhere I wanna be if one night I could take it back Oh, I'd do the same each day If for one night I could hold you close So I'd keep you here this way All through the night Shine a light, light my way. Candy sights the mouth, the compass north is our head south. Oh, Hips or lips, I can't decide Hands caress the short black dress It wore me over, I confess Now there's nothing left to hide If for one night I could take it back Oh, I do each day If for one night I could hold you close So I'd keep you here this way All through the night You shine a light Light my way
out of my way Yeah Speechless on a summer night The candles out, your soul's in flight And you're still everything I see